Hi, Trent Mel, CEO of Electrobattery Materials. We're building an integrated battery materials park in, in Canada for North America, starting with a cobalt refinery being commissioned at the end of this year. Trent, good to have you back on. I haven't seen you since January, but uh, judging by the uh, news releases, you've been rather busy. Uh, not least of all, you've been trotting over to the Far East. What was happening out there? Yeah, just got back from Korea. So we're you know, six months away from, from commissioning. And so the, as I said to you pre-interview, FOMO is kind of kicking in the supply chain. It feels last year was really about investing in the downstream, you know, the battery plants, the assembly plants. And now there's a big focus on on cathode, on precursor and refining. And so for us, it's an opportunity to meet with all the players you'd expect in Korea and, and talk about partnerships, offtake. And, and it's gone, it's gone beyond cobalt. I gotta tell you, with the you know, the articulation of this broader vision, there's a lot of focus on nickel and how we could help de-risk North American nickel strategy. Right. I'm interested in the nature of those conversations, right? Because um, you're right, the, the FOMO thing is 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 very clear. We've spoken to lots of companies who have, you know gone into those conversations, not quite knowing what to expect, and money's been thrown at them. Um, they're trying to secure certainty of supply. We, we're going to talk about cobalt today, obviously, but say, you know, nickel's, nickel and cobalt, um, sorry, nickel, copper, everything, lithium, graphite, everything is, is, is in that mix at the moment. So given the early stage of those, the early stage of those conversations that you're having, I mean, did you walk away feeling that the money's there if you want it, and is it the type of money that you want? Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess for us, it's not so much the money, right? It's the commercial relationship. So we're funded to production on the cobalt plant. If we do a, you know, if if when we do a, a big nickel refinery, that's a big lift, right? It's a much larger plant than cobalt. So there is a bigger strategic discussion there. Right now, it's really about where the chess pieces are going to lie on the board, right? And where what vertical we align ourselves with, right? So you've got, I mean, you've got, of course, Ford, SK Innovation, you've got GM, uh, with LG Chem. And so as these battery alliances are formed, now they're looking downstream. And and I think unlike two years ago, there's a greater clarity of vision here that we need to onshore everything. We want to connect North American minerals to North American batteries. And that was far from certain two years ago. Maybe we'll buy our batteries from Asia, from Japan, Korea, China. And that's that's kind of fallen away. And so really the conversation is, let's talk about a cobalt offtake with a view to a broader relationship around recycling, around nickel, and making you part of our supply chain. And ultimately, of course, having our precursor set up behind us here so that you've got a truly integrated facility. So it's kind of, it's baby steps towards a bigger vision, but we're not we're not looking for capital at this point. Okay, so, but you're looking for commercial relationships and commercial contracts in place. So you get, I guess, a similar question, which is, what's the nature of those contracts need to look like for you? Yeah, for, for us, it's a, <laughs> excuse me, it's an offtake contract. And so, but what does that mean? Explain, explain, explain what yeah, that means. Because yeah. the, the, your perception of what it could look like from early days versus what conversations are now informing you, I, I guess things change, right? Yeah, it does change. And so, you know, we start producing in January 2023. The reality is not a lot of battery making happening on this side of the world in January 23. So the, the first relationship is an offtake contract for a certain quantity that we're likely going to be shipping to Europe, Japan, Korea, maybe all of the above. Uh, with the and then the rest of it, we, we can sell them. Selling the product is not hard. It's trying to identify the broader framework. So if we can do a small portion in 23, growing in 24, then you hit a big time in 2025 where you're actually keeping it here on the continent. Um, it allows us to start planning around again recycling. Whose cells are we going to be taking in? Whose nickel are we going to be processing? And so for us, it's that the baby, when I say a baby step, it's allocating a portion of our product now so they have security of supply from 2025 onward. 
Right. Okay. Because when we first started talking back in the day, this was a you, the vision was a, a North American integrated battery park. Now it's yes. a integrated battery park in North America, and the conversations yeah. are in the Far East and possibly Europe because the US isn't quite there yet. So again, yeah. how how far do and then the other the other component that's changed a, a lot here is like when we spoke in January, Iron Creek potential spin out, right? Right. So it was, right. it was almost seen as non-core. So the pieces on your chessboard are, are, are moving around. You're being agile and, and adjusting yeah. to market conditions. So where's everything settled for you at the moment or has it not quite got there? Yeah. And I got to say the team's growing as a result because the strategy, um, like the strategy will be further defined once we sign that first contract. And I, I suspect there'll be two of them, two different uh, suppliers, but. Um, I think I think the pieces will fall into place because then you'll know. Okay, okay, got it. They signed with that person, so it's got to be that precursor, and you know, it, all the pieces start to fall together. But I mean, Iron Creek, a case in point, right? A year ago, we were talking about cobalt and cobalt. Um, now they're coming to us saying, "Well, let's talk about nickel." And cobalt says, "It means to get to nickel." And Iron Creek, yeah, we were going in the process of how do we monetize that? I don't want to use cash flow from the refinery to build uh, a capital-intensive cyclical asset. Um, and as we started thinking about that, then the supply chain says, well, hold on, you've, you've got the potential to deliver us cobalt in North America and reduce our reliance in the DRC. And so now we've got, I could say, we've got three different interested parties uh, that, that might be willing to put their balance sheet to work to help us accelerate that. And we've, under, we've underspent there um, early days, really, but um, it's given us pause. And so we'll, we'll keep advancing that at a modest pace focusing most of our resources on the refinery. Uh, and I think there's a, you know, maybe there is an opportunity to keep this vertically integrated if it's not our balance sheet being put to work, at least at this point in time. Right. So, so, so what would that look like? That's interesting. If you're not using your balance sheet, your, 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 your capital, you're not getting distracted, um, that's good news indeed. But what, what would that, the economics look like or could the economics look like for you? Yeah, it would, uh, it, there's two, two formulations. One would be an actual asset level investment by, let's say, an auto company. Right. And they would own half of a mineral asset or, or, or more. Um, the other formulation would be an investment in, in Electra and in the public company and with the use of proceeds being sent to Iron Creek to help, help move that along. And you could look at, you could look at streams and offtakes and all kinds of ways to kind of monetize that, that cobalt for, for a company. Um, but, but it would entail obviously developing that asset and either beneficiating, refining it here in Ontario or, or maybe, maybe doing something locally in the state of Idaho. But the idea, the idea at, the, at its root is much like the nickel strategy. They're all looking at how do we get a domestic supply of minerals and you know, reduce this reliance on a, on a foreign supply. Okay, and then how, what's the process you need to go through to work out the, the the best option there in terms of the spinner as previously discussed, and maybe someone coming in with their balance sheet and um, and either investing into uh, at asset level or um, at, at cor- hey, hey, corporate level yeah. on this project? How do you, how do you assess the, the, which one is the best for you and your shareholders? Yeah, well, look, I, I we don't get a lot of value for Iron Creek today, so you know, step one. Uh, we're drilling now at a target a kilometer and a half away called Ruby. You know, if that hits, it, it, the potential either is these things are connected a kilometer and a half away or it's a new system. And maybe you start to get a little bit more interested in the asset for a kind of a district play, which which I believe could be there. But, you know, otherwise the holding costs are low, right? Just put three or four million a year into that asset and keep it moving along. Work on three things, drill, permit, and, and, and metallurgy. Um, you can you can move that forward. And there's a lot of money available now with the DOE, DOD, particularly the energy, um, once you get it out of the ground. So if you wanted to, if you had a, a larger vision for Idaho and the Idaho Cobalt Belt, uh, a district refining 
processing center is it wouldn't be off the table from a from a collaborative government supported perspective. So, for instance, okay, what's your next door neighbor Gerbois doing at the moment? Are they doing anything? They well, I think their strategy uh, they're 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 going to be in production. I guess later this year. I think they're going to stockpile initially with a view to sending their feed to Brazil and, and process through that refinery, which is going through a DFS now. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, Gerbois, us, other targets. Could you envision thirty years of mining in that belt? I mean, I certainly can. And, and in that case, you know, uh, a state legacy asset to centralize all the processing might make a lot of sense. I got to tell you, Matt, these are very early early days. We haven't advanced uh, much on that, but I've got a new uh, a new VP engineering that will be joining us soon, and he'll be tasked with things like that, looking at all the different growth opportunities that are outside of our current refinery here behind me. Okay, so like, I'll, okay, then in which case, let's park up Iron Creek in terms of. You know, your decision making, I guess, will make itself evident over the next, next six months or so. Um, tell me about some of these um, new hires. You, you mentioned a couple of them already, but you seem to be kind of growing up a little bit here in terms of understanding what you need to be. So, who are who are the new guys and gals? Yeah, I've been. Um, yeah, we've been a little bit slow, a little gun shy, maybe to staff up. So, site's been growing. We're up to nineteen full time people. We made the decision last fall to replace our contractor with a with an owner's team, and I mean, it's, it's the best thing we could have done in this crazy market. Mm-hmm. Uh, with turnover of people and you get ownership and the, the people building it by and large, the people are going to be running it. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a real understanding of what, what you want to be inheriting uh, corporate level. We hired uh Renata Cardoso VP sustainability, low carbon. So she spent 15 years as an ESG leader at Valley brought her in and, and it's been just a huge, huge ad. Uh, Joe Racanelli joined us. He was head of IR for share it. So obviously he knows the nickel and cobalt market. He just started last week. Uh, we've got a VP engineering that'll be joining from Valley, not yet announced. And unfortunately, in a hot market, we did lose our CFO a month ago to a, a gold major. Um, and we'll have an offer out to a candidate probably probably today. So the, the corporate team is growing. More importantly, the, the site team has grown really well. Uh, we're going to have a world-class lab up there. We've got a, another PhD on the team. Um, and all the skilled trades are coming in. And, it, and it's nice because we're you know we're 10 minutes away from a, a town of 15,000. And, and you don't need to do that commute that some of the electricians and millwrights have to do an hour and a half each way to a mine site. So attracting talent for us has been relatively easy, albeit it's a, it's a pretty hot labor market right now. It definitely is, um, for sure. Um, the other kind of, um, I guess, big boy moment for you would be um, going on the NASDAQ, right? That's, that's, a, that's a big movement in terms of exposing yourself to the U.S. Uh, investor community. Um, how's that worked out for you in terms of liquidity? And I, uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been happy. I've been, I've been dreading that for a year plus, right? And as a shareholder, I mindful of some of the examples where you, you do the roll up, which we had to do, right? Stock consolidation and you trade down and we traded up, we traded up 15% after an, announcing an 18 to one consolidation. Um, the broader market took us down, but the NASDAQ listing um, was great. The liquidity has already moved there. We're more liquid there than we are in Toronto and we're whatever a month in or so. Uh, we had a couple of crazy days, uh, like meme stock days, where we traded, you know, eight eight million dollars of stock. Uh, it didn't last, but uh, but it was interesting. And and you know, I mean, you'll have the bigger swings now, being on the big board. But I think, and I just got back from marketing. So in addition to being in Korea, I was marketing Singapore, Sydney, and and through Europe. And um, like, it makes a big difference, right, to be off the OTC. And if we're still in the venture exchange, but the Nasdaq, they take you more seriously. It's a more I guess respectable market uh, market capitalization 30 32 million shares out instead of 560 so the um, you know the investor class that we're targeting for our next stage of growth 
I think is more receptive to the the way we've recapitalized. So do you need to, I mean, with with the idea to come off the TSXV, or do you need, does that, is it obviously, you, you, because you've got your facility there, I mean, how does that work in terms of benefits, credits, yeah. and so forth? Um, yeah, I, we wouldn't give up Toronto completely. You could go to the TSX. Um, the, the, the quirk, though, with the TSX is you've got to be cash flow generating unless you're a mining company. And we're not a mining company. So we're not a cash flow status. So we'll look at it next year, but I'm not going to pay a, a crazy fee just to uplist if the NASDAQ is going to give us those benefits. So I'm, I'm kind of neutral on whether we stay venture or go TSX, but I won't pay a, a million dollars for the, the honor of uplisting to a bigger board. I don't think. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, NASDAQ is, what's that like? Compared to NYSE, is it that, obviously not as onerous financially, is it? Yeah. You know, you know what I like about the NASDAQ? That one of the one of the, the customer service is great, very right. responsive. They don't actually on the on the NYSE, you actually have to pay on a per share basis every time you go and issue equity. So there's yeah. a there's an embedded cost there. Nasdaq, look, your tech, your ESG, you're, you're kind of hopefully we're one of the cool kids. Um, but it's been a look, it's been a great process for us. Uh, the only, I guess, the only downside of US listing is the DNO insurance goes up. I mean, it's about eight times higher than it was here in Canada litigious as we are in America, I guess. Uh, so there, there's that sort of downside. But other than that, um, oh yeah, nothing but a, but a great experience. And, you know, ringing the closing bell on the day we listed was, I got to say, pretty cool um, as a just sort of a milestone that marked the occasion. Yeah, no, no, I imagine it was. Uh, it's, it's a big moment, but more importantly, the, the kind of liquidity component to you, um, what, it, what it brings you. Um, and we'll see what happens when the market's going to come back. Um, you must, you, have you got a view in that? What's what's happening out there? I mean, obviously the broader market's been hit, not just natural yeah. resources, but you know everyone. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think it's a broader market, and we don't have the lofty valuations that you know all the tech and crypto companies had. So uh, I don't think we've been as impacted, but it still still kind of sucks. Uh, we're not looking to raise money in the near term. Like we could, but we don't we don't we don't need to. We'll we'll raise money at some point uh, for the recycling strategy. So I, I just I guess for me it's yeah, there's the sell off, and we'll see how that how that transpires. I think the energy transition trade is still on at some point. The question is, are we in a sell and may go away mode um, or will there be any kind of market action through the summer? I think some of the M&A we're seeing in the gold space might, might have spillover effects. We'll see. But I don't think this, I don't think our sector is down and out by any means. And so have you, and, and given some market conditions and given the conversations that you're having, you know, it, with potential strategic partners in the Far East and, and, and elsewhere, OEMs and other battery manufacturers, yeah. is the information that you're getting, because um, if I look at the 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 cobalt market specifically, it pricing is a really hard thing to kind of get a, get a, a grip on, right? And I'm trying to work out from the economic studies that you've done to date, change in market conditions, this you know ever ever growing need and demand for what it is that you've got, and the addition of nickel and so forth. Do you have to kind of reassess the economics and would that have to be in study form or are you saying well mm. like we've, we've, we've got we've got everything we need we've, we've kind of got the we've got the ca- enough capital to kind of get us going on the refinery construction we know that yeah. with the battery recycling there's huge demand and we know the prices are moving um we're good for a while but at the point you go back to market is an expectation that you'll need to have done a study for them to be able to assess what it is that yeah. you've got given it's not conventional mining as such yeah, so it, three parts of the business. So if you look at the the cobalt side of the equation, you know we're we're buying product, buying feed, and selling product on a on a quoted market basis, and the, the quotation periods align. So you know we're earning a pretty steady margin up markets, down markets. So we don't face the uh, 
the commodity risk. Iron Creek a little different. I mean, I'd like to see sustained prices over over twenty four, twenty five dollars. We're sitting at thirty eight. So you know, and, and the market softened to be to be clear on on all the commodities, but it doesn't doesn't sort of stress me. I think uh, when you see the cobalt market growing at twenty six percent CAGR the next five years, supply yes is coming on stream through Glencore and others, but demand will demand will absorb that. And then lastly, recycling. Recycling is, um, I mean, it's a weird market, right? Glencore, forget the shredding of the batteries. A lot of people do that. But the, the processing, most of that's Glencore. That's 90% of the market. And they're using pyrometallurgy. So they don't get lithium. They don't get graphite. And the margin opportunities are, are really attractive. And so I don't worry about black mass. I think that will get more competitive through time. But as a first mover, um, yeah, the market there seems fairly um, fairly generous, at least for the next couple of years. Right. But coming back to the question around money, is you think the money is readily available and your your product and is well understood enough that you're not going to need to go through another kind of study phase given the kind of changing, not changing strategy yeah. per se, yeah, but yeah, there's a few things that you're tweaking, right? So the tweaking is right. Yeah. So, so yeah, the study, we're going to do a demonstration plan on recycling. So we'll have proof of concept on that. Um, that'll start in August and that'll, that'll maybe shine the light on that part of our of our team and our capabilities. But yeah, the money piece, look, we, we announced that we're we're on schedule for commissioning, but we're gonna be over budget. Uh, we're guiding an extra five or 10%, hard to get clarity, but it's pretty tight to our to our control budget. So there's a, you know, there's a there's a gap there to, to be to be honest. And and there will be a, a need to raise money for for the recycling circuit. What that looks like, I don't know yet. Um, we're we're using a lot of what you see behind me, uh, plant equipment lab. Is it 20 million? I don't know. So it's good a guess, I guess I can give you for now. It's not a huge amount. So, you know, we could go out and raise 20 or 30 CAD, um, but no rush. We could do that at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, um, when market conditions um, present themselves. And I, I'd like to do that after we've got our, our, our partnerships aligned. Uh, we could take in a strategic investor as well as an OEM contract. So there's other, we've got a few levers here at our disposal. I'm not going to run and do an equity raise. We've got an ATM at the market program as well. So you can Dribble shares out, but um, yeah, I'm in no no uh, I'm in no rush to do what I call sort of a cats and dogs equity offering with everybody and their uncle plowing in for warrant coverage only to turn around and sell it the next day. That's just not we don't need to do that. Thank goodness I've done that in those days. It, God willing, are over. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice to be past that, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, so you got you got op- optionality on, on on future cash requirement, um, which isn't necessarily you know like a pure equity. Plus warrant uh, dilution. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Under, understood. So your you, your view on the next six months for you is what? What what should we be looking at as investors, whether we're in the U.S. or or, or in Canada? What are we What are we looking at? Yeah. So obviously the uh, you know the ramp up for the next six months as we as we hit uh, commissioning. That's one. Two is going to be the the recycling uh, demo plant that'll start sort of August August into September and what that yields. We're pretty excited about that actually. Three is going to be the commercial contract or contracts. Um, uh, yeah, timing's out of our control. We have a lot of MOUs out there that could happen in days, weeks, or months. Um, but I think it's on the shorter end of the scale. Uh, so that would be the third. Uh, we're looking at a growth opportunity. Uh, there's there's another battery materials part coming together in the continent, and you know, maybe there's a role for us there. And then Iron Creek is a is a toggle. We'll we'll have to wait and see how that happens. I think there'll be a few innings before that one becomes clear. But as we drill it, we're hitting a new system. A kilometer and a half away could be exciting, but that's um, TBD. We'll see what the drill bit reveals. Okay, Trent, uh, like great, great update there. Um, appreciate you making the time to see us. Um, 
we shall stay in touch with you as uh, I look for more, more of these um, headlines coming off of your, your press releases as things uh, progress. Thank you. All right. Good to you. Thank you.